Hey there, everyone. This is Jill here in the pickle jar, and I have another fabulous episode here for you to share with you. I have Michelle from Massachusetts who's going to share with us her story with adrenal insufficiency. Now, Michelle was diagnosed with Addison's disease about seven, eight years ago. I think it was 2016. And Michelle has reached out to me to share her journey with you. And I'm so excited to have her with you, um, with you, with us. Um, and one of the reasons why Michelle and I just kind of connected a few days ago where we had our little zoom chat and um you know it's one of these things when you're on a journey of chronic illness there's a lot of things that that happen good bad and I think if we take a moment and really find the good Michelle is definitely one of the good that has come into my world because when Michelle and I first started to talk um I told her I'm like I didn't even make notes when we were talking because it was like one of those instant connections of friendship which you know I have with all my podcast guests because I believe um like attracts like and I try to make this podcast a very positive encouraging episode episodes and you know kind of information and that's what it's attracting um but Michelle has definitely proven to me once again that when you put yourself out there and put that energy out there. Um, one of the reasons why I think I am on this journey of adrenal insufficiency, doing the podcast and connecting with you all with everyone is because I wouldn't have found Michelle otherwise, <laughs> you know, we don't live in the same part of the world and that's with all my guests. It's just, it's bringing the people into my world that are meant to be there and to make my world a better place. And I really hope you listening to Michelle's story and all the stories and all the information on the podcast can help you take those steps forward as well. So Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. So let's start. Could you first start by telling us just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Michelle Wentworth and I'm from Middleborough, Massachusetts, and I am a retired return attorney who sells online now with my husband. We are e-commerce entrepreneurs. Um, I am the mom of two grown children and a dog mom to a black lab and a black pug. And I'm a born again Christian and I am on this Addison's disease, adrenal insufficiency journey in my life. And if you're watching on YouTube, pay attention in the background. If the dogs come back, the dogs like to uh, make themselves known. So <laughs> it was very entertaining the other day. They're very sweet. So, <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing with us. So what motivated you to share with us today to reach out, to come onto the podcast? Uh, well, it's funny because my husband is the one that found you. Um, he's so supportive about this disease and he was telling me, all about you. This was probably a year ago. And he's been actually trying to get me for a year to give you my story. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know, is my story like everybody else's? I don't know. And so I saw you um, put on the Facebook group, um, looking for people to interview. And my husband's like, now's your chance. So I reached out to you. And that's how I'm here now. Oh, that was the universe. He kept at you. He's like, you're That's supposed it. to connect with her. You, That's you it. Got it. And then, and then there I was, I popped up and finally it kind of sunk in. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I could, could give it a shot. Right. Yeah. No. And you know what? And I hear that a lot from people that are interested in coming on the podcast. They're like, Oh, you know what? You know, my story is just my story. What's so big about my story, but all of our stories are so similar, but so unique. And it's going to touch somebody. It's going to validate for somebody their journey. Cause there are still so many of us that haven't had the chance to connect with people with this illness and feel so alone. And I personally, even with, even with all the people I've had, you know, been blessed to connect with, with this disease, I still have those moments where I forget a lot of the things that I feel is my illness and it's not, you know, my fault or, you know, that it is, it is, you know, an effect of what we're dealing with. And just knowing that we're not alone makes, can be a game changer for somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. So thank you. Absolutely. For, right. So, um, okay. So let's go back to the beginning. So Michelle was leading, you know, a healthy, normal, active life, um, leading up until your symptoms and things started to change. What was your, what was your life like? What was your health like? So I was actually in pretty great shape. I was always, I was always really slender. Um, but up until, yeah, right before my symptoms started, um, I was a martial artist. I was a cyclist. Um, and when I say cyclist, I would do like, you know, 25 miles at a time. I was at the dojo three to four days a week. Um, 
I was also, um, a runner mm-hmm. and I did yoga. So I'm like, I'm, I'm rocking it here, you know? And then, um, I had taken a break from karate and then I started noticing my first symptoms appearing. I had, um, really bad knee pain in both knees and, I had some karate friends tell me, oh yeah, once you give it up, man, that's what happens. Your first thing to go are your knees, you know, but then other things started happening. Um, I bet here comes my pug. Um, <laughs> <Love it. laughs> and, um, you know, that's when things started to happen, but I was really healthy and on the go busy mom. Um, and then my symptoms started happening. Um, so what was the next set of symptoms that you remember starting to have after from the joint pain? What started to happen next? Um, then the joint pain started spreading. Actually, I started getting neuropathy on the tops of my feet. I lost 10 pounds without even trying. And so when you're already slender, you're like, Oh, I'm looking really thin. And then, um, I started to lose my stamina. I would get really tired. Um, I would sing in the worship team in my church. And I was also a nursing home um, chaplain. And I'm finding like, oh my gosh, I can't stand on my feet long enough. I would get dizzy. Um, Also, my tan was staying year round. Um, And people would notice that like, wow, you are so tan. I'm like, wow, I'm Italian, of course, you know. And so things just started to kind of go downhill. I had to give up the worship team, the nursing home ministry. There was no cycling. Um, I couldn't even do yoga anymore. Uh, no running. So I just really started to kind of fail. And this was all about four years before my actual diagnosis. Okay. So it was about a four, from where you kind of remember things significantly changing that it became conscious to you through yeah. the four year decline when all this stuff kind of progressed. Right. And my next step was I did tell my doctor, I'm like, yeah, I said, I've lost weight. I said, I'm getting, um, I'm getting hypoglycemic, like low blood sugar. Um, I'm, you know, I can't gain weight. Um, I can eat a whole sleeve of Oreos to help with the low blood sugar and I'm not gaining any weight. I used to eat chocolate frosting out of the can. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and you're uh, yeah, I'm leaner than lean. And I would eat like almost the whole, whole can of frosting. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm just like, what is going on? And another problem I had too, was my breathing. I could never get a deep enough okay. breath. So my husband's like, you sigh a lot. Like I would do, like I could. So my doctor sent me to a rheumatologist and um, he diagnosed me just from blood work with sarcoidosis, which is another autoimmune disease. And I'm like, okay, after all my research, I'm like, you can't diagnose somebody without a biopsy somewhere. So, um, I live about 45 minutes away from Boston. So at Boston Medical Center, they have a sarcoidosis clinic. And I made an appointment there where they did a actual lung biopsy. And I was diagnosed with a really, really mild form of sarcoidosis. Okay. Could you kind of explain to us exactly what that is? So sarcoidosis is another inflammatory autoimmune disease when it can manifest in any organ. Um, And mine happened to be in my lungs. So what my lung... um, scans looked like was they were called ground glass opacities. So I would have these sections where it looked like, and the whites of your CAT scan, it would look like ground glass, like bits of glass. And they were like, oh, well, that's why you're having trouble breathing, whatever. Um, So your, your, your treatment is five milligrams of prednisone for one week, every six weeks. We all know what we're treating at the same time. Right. And can I tell you that one week out of six weeks, I felt fabulous, right? I'm And my husband's like, just take it all the time. I'm like, well, I can't. It's, I only have like the script for like, you know, and I was like, wow, this is great. Everything was fine. 
Um, I still wasn't gaining weight because I was only on it for so long um, each time, but I was like, wow, this is great. Um, so that's kind of what I was doing, but on the other weeks, I still had no stamina. I still couldn't go back to, um, exercising or anything. And what I did start noticing was on those off weeks, I would, um, have a hard time getting up out of bed and I would get up in the morning and I would have a cup of coffee. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> like why? But then it wound up and I would throw up once and that was it. And then I would just lie down. So, and then this was about four years after the symptoms started is when, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I, I couldn't understand it. Why? But I'm like, I guess this is my life now, now and that it didn't happen every day, but I look back and I look back on times in the heat during this time where I would walk in the heat and I would really struggle. And then I would start vomiting. And then my husband would have to like, take me home and I would recover, but I'm like, what is wrong with me that this is happening? You know, and from what I understand, you're describing perfectly how the adrenal glands work and how this disease progresses is that we have these low dips where we struggle and then they, the brain, the body, the adrenal glands, whatever's left of them can kick back in fight. We kind of recover a little bit. And then we go through those dips again. You know, my, my diagnosis, I can track it back to high school. And it was like, you know, 15, 20 years of these ups and downs of my body slowly progressing to this point. Right. So it sounds like that's exactly what your body was going through. Now, did you have the salt cravings and things like that. You mentioned the hyperpigmentation, the joint issues, the energy and all that stuff. Did you have the salt cravings that a lot of us get? I did, but here's the weird thing. So growing up, my dad had high blood pressure. So my mom didn't really cook with salt. We always used a salt substitute. Right. So I just did the same thing. Whenever I craved it, I just took the salt substitute, but I did like potato chips. Okay. So maybe that was, <laughs> I was like, Ooh, I'm eating these chips. Um, so yeah, it was, but I never had high blood pressure. In fact, my blood pressure was so low. It was like on a good day, it was like 90 over 60, which is low, which is, which is low, which is like the lowest end of normal. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would have these certain, you know, like you said, these ebbs and flows of, of the adrenal thing and then recover. And then there was that one time where I just didn't recover. I, what happened that time you just hit one of like a typical low, like what you just described. And it just kind of, well, looking, looking back and it was only when my, I finally was put in with an endocrinologist, it was my cat died. And I had a cat for 15 years who was like a dog and, um, he died of feline AIDS and I just loved this cat. And, um, the day after the day he died, I just cried on and off all day. And it was the next day I woke up and I was just vomiting nonstop. And and now if you're on this journey at any point on this journey, whether it's a diagnosis journey or you've had adrenal insufficiency for however long you've had it, one thing that we all hear over and over again is that emotional stress does not affect us. Right. So listen to Michelle, <laughs> do what happened. Listen to me, uh, listen to the people who walk in the shoes with you. And if anything validates your journey in Michelle's story, I, this is going to be one of it because, um, emotional stress is huge. It's one of my personal, my biggest triggers. You emotionally stress me out and my cortisol can drop extremely fast. So, so your cat passed away, you're crying you are emotionally distraught, you wake up the next day and physically your body's done. It's done. I couldn't get out of bed. Um, my husband put a bucket, like a barrel next to my bed and I kept falling asleep. And I would, now that I think about it, I was actually passing out because then I would get two and then I would drink water and I would begin vomiting again. And after three days, 
my husband went to our local pharmacy and said, is there anything I can give my wife? She's vomiting and blah, blah, blah. And they said, the only thing you can give her is um, Tylenol for the fever. And he's like, she doesn't have a fever. And he goes, you need to take her to the hospital. Something's wrong. And so my husband, yeah. I would say even how you describe that, you know, like you recognize now, like you're, it appeared like you were sleeping, but now you recognize that you think you were actually passing out. And yeah. I really think that's something that happens again, even to me still, when my cortisol goes low, it's more like people think, oh, she's asleep. She's having a nap. She's recovering. But actually my body, I really think it's passing out and putting, putting myself to sleep because it's, it's one of those, I think those defense mechanisms to say, you know what, we got to get her unconscious to conserve cortisol to recover. Right. Exactly. Right? I go to bed sometimes still, and I know I'm not feeling the best and I'll be sitting in bed and I'm like, I feel like I'm wide awake. And then all of a sudden my daughters are taking my glasses off and trying to slide me down in bed. Cause I'm sitting up and I'm like, like, well, what, what happened? Like I was just awake and now like an hour has passed. And I really think that's one of the defense mechanisms. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Is it a good thing that it's shutting me down or is it, or is it possibly a dangerous thing? I don't, I don't know. I don't know either, you know? And the thing was, my husband was like, I have to take you to the hospital yeah. and I couldn't get out of bed. And I'm like, and I'm just in pajamas. And he was like, okay, let's get you dressed. I'm on the floor trying to put a shirt on. Like I couldn't even... By the time my husband got me to the emergency room, I couldn't walk at all. He had to go grab me a, um, a, a wheelchair. And when they pulled me into the hospital, they just kept saying, where have you been? Where have you been? You know, and I was at a nursing home. I was here. And, and, um, and again, I would, you know, what I thought was falling asleep and whatever, they kept me in for a day and a half and they just pumped me with fluids. I look back. And I do remember the doctor saying, do you have any low back pain? Do you have any flank pain? So maybe he was thinking in Addison's crisis, but I, all the times that I've had a crisis, I do not get that symptom. And they just loaded me so much with fluid that I was like bloated. <laughs> and, um, and then they said, follow up with your doctor. That was it. You probably had a stomach bug. And then they shipped me home and I couldn't recover. I couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't, I couldn't get up to go to the refrigerator. Like it was horrible. So I had an appointment with my pulmonologist for the sarcoidosis the next week up in Boston. And I told him what happened. And he's like, and it was an 8am appointment. And he had said, you know what, let's, let's, let's just check your cortisol. So he did. And he had called me when I got home and he said, your cortisol was a one. He goes, it should not be a one at 8 a.m. He's like, um, it's supposed, he goes, and he was trying to explain to me the circadian rhythm because I had no idea about that. Never even heard of circadian rhythm. But he's like, I'm going to put you in with an endocrinologist. He goes, whatever you do, do not take the prednisone until you see her. Okay, until, you know, you see her. So my husband, um, said, well, let's just go to New Hampshire for a couple of days. We had a vacation home up there. And he's like, I mean, you'll just relax up there until our appointment. And then I get pleurisy. And what do I get? Five milligrams of prednisone for like four days. And I am ready to rock. I am like ready to go. And yeah, and it was weird. And then, um, but it was only for four days. And then I got in to meet my endocrinologist up at Boston Medical. And then what happened after that? So you took the prednisone and then, but the prednisone was able to get out of your system before all yes. the tests and everything, right? Yeah. So you got in to see the endocrinologist. They did some more blood work. They did a CAT scan of my adrenals. Okay. She was like, you're awfully tan and it's the end of November. Have you been anywhere? I'm like, no, this is my, I just sit outside for five minutes in July and boom, I'm this dark. Yeah, I just and look course, fabulous all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. it's, it's like, so, so opposite. Like when I was getting sick, like I did, I had the, the, the beautiful tan in like February and in Canada and everyone's like, Oh, you look amazing. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't feel amazing. <laughs> Trust me. I'm like, it's the tan of death. <laughs> like, I'm like, I look this way because I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, we're just, we think I'm dying and I just look really well doing it. <laughs> yes. 
exactly. And uh, yeah. And so she was, you know, she read my notes from the doctor and, and she said, oh, you know what? You probably have something called maybe secondary adrenal insufficiency, you know, because uh, you take the prednisone once a week, every six weeks. But she was the one that had me examine what exactly happened. I want to know what I want. She goes, I want to know every symptom you had. I want to know what happened beforehand. So she was the one that actually made me think of my cat's death. And she's like, yeah, I'm thinking you have adrenal insufficiency. She goes, but we're going to do all these blood work and whatever. So she goes, I'll, I'll get back to you. So my husband then came up with the idea of doing a long weekend in Key West. He goes, let's just recover on the beach. And I'm like, okay, so we're on our way to the airport in Boston. And I get a phone call um, from the endocrinologist. And she is like, I need to see you in my office now. And I'm like, um, I'm on my way to the airport. I'm going to Key West. She's like, when are you coming back? And I'm like, well, today's Thursday. I'm coming back Sunday. And she goes, okay, I am going to tell, um, I'm going to see you 8 a.m. Monday morning. And do you still have those, those, pre that prednisone? And I said, I do. She goes, I want you to take it every day. She goes, if you start vomiting, if you start having diarrhea, I want you to go to the hospital and you are going to tell them you have Addison's disease. You have primary adrenal insufficiency. You can die from this. I'm like, okay. Have a nice vacation. We'll see you Monday. <laughs> if you're not feeling well, you're dying. So make sure you go to the hospital. <laughs> I was petrified. I was petrified. And I'm like, so I'm on this, I'm on this, this whole weekend, I'm on the airplane, I'm in the hotel. And all I can think of is you can die from this. <laughs> I was afraid to do anything. I was like, okay, I'm not having a pina colada. I am not having any of this. I'm like, you know, so I, I was really, really scared. And then, um, but 8am that Monday, I was in the office, ready to in the office. And she had said to me, you know, in looking at all of your symptoms you had in that hospital, she said, you don't know how close you were to death. She said, you would have the next, the, the next, next thing would have been cardiac arrest. Yeah. And you didn't have the cortisol to yeah. fight. And, and that's, what's scary about this illness. And that's what we need to drive home to everybody. Cause I think we become, I know I personally become, you know, it just becomes part of how we feel and yeah. we need to be reminded about how, you know, my family doctor once said to me, cause I was getting a little, a, a little, you know, um, overconfident with this illness and how I was doing. And I remember him saying to me, he goes, you never forget out of all my patients, you are the one that's closest to death every day if you don't take care of yourself. And he's right. like, never, right. you never forget that. How yeah. serious is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then same thing, like you said, like it was, I wanted to point out that, um, you know, something that I've heard a lot through the podcast and stuff, you know, your doctor was great at trying to figure out what that trigger was for you. What pushed you over the edge? Um, one thing I hear a lot with talking with people with adrenal insufficiency and their diagnosis is, you know, I've heard, oh, well, COVID gave me adrenal insufficiency. I got it from this. I got it from that. Um, they kind of put the blame off onto something else kind of thing. And, right. you know, and I'm not a medical doctor. Like my dad had adrenal insufficiency and he had it for 30 years before he died. And after my dad passed away, you know, his, his siblings still said to me, well, well, Donald had adrenal had Addison's disease because he got shot with a shotgun. He had lead poisoning. My dad had lead pellets in his one leg. And I'm like, no, the lead did not give him Addison's disease. He had Addison's disease, but being shot <laughs> was the stressor that the adrenals could no longer fight. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. And we all, I believe, I truly believe with what I know, there's that straw that pushes us over the edge. You were your cat, the emotional stress of the cat, the adrenals went, you know what? I've had enough. I'm done. Exactly. I've done my job. And you know what? Death. Here we come. Basically is what the road was going. I was told when I was diagnosed, um, if I got the flu, if I would have gotten COVID, if I, if something, if I was in a car accident, those adrenal glands were done. They had enough to barely get me out of bed to breathe to be compensated in everything that I did 
I had to eat chocolate frosting. I had to sleep, you know, 18 hours a day. You know, if anything else happened, it, it wouldn't have been the flu that gave me Addison's. I already had it, right? There is, exactly. there is a crossing line that we cross and, um, and we have to be careful because while we're on this journey, we can still cross it. Right. So, for sure. right. So you ended up with the official diagnosis, you made it through the weekend. <laughs> yes. And then, so what was the prognosis? What it sounds like to me, you know, what you've shared with us so far is, you know, you've been very blessed with a, a knowledgeable medical team. Yes. Starting with, you know, the let's test your cortisol because something's a lot of endocrinologists don't even do that with people. And that should be something that, but you had a doctor before the endocrinologist. Pulmonologist to boot. Yeah, right. Think, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe we should look into this. So now you're with the endocrinologist. Now they've done the official testing. Um, you have pri primary Addison's disease, which they kind of questioned at first it was secondary, which right. in the end we're all treated the same. But um, so what kind of information were you given on that Monday? So she had said, you strike me as somebody who's type A, a type A personality. I am. I am. She goes, let it go. She goes, stress is not good for this disease. She goes, your replacement dose is to get you through the stress of a typical day. She goes, so you've got to learn to let things go. My goal as your endocrinologist is to get you from a woman with Addison's disease trying to live to being a woman living with Addison's disease. I love that because right there, that is quality of life. Right. And I've always said, if our quality of life feels good, we're managing our illness. Right. Right. So if your quality of life is low, there's something wrong with your meds. Right. And she, you know, she was like, so you got to learn um, that let things go. Um, you're going to try and live a normal life, you know, and, you know, she, and she kind of made it important too about listening to my body and, and, you know, it took me two years of living with this disease to finally tell her that I am now a woman living with Addison's disease. I am no longer with that women with Addison disease trying to live. Yeah. And what made me cross that was, was living with the disease for two years, learning what my triggers are, um, learning that any feeling of, of low cortisol or, or, or any of those symptoms, whatever, take care of it. Yeah. Step back, get to know my body. I know what my low cortisol symptoms begin to be. And then and, what kind of advice did she give you if you felt like you were having low cortisol? You were given advice on how to updose. And, yes. Yes. Because a lot of yeah. people still, I talk to people, you know, their doctors are like, no, you don't need updose. We know we need to updose. And if right. your medical team's not supporting that, you need to explore that and find it because your body naturally updoses. <laughs> right. And she had said that to me. She goes, I'm going to, she actually sent me an email with like the sick day rules. And she said, but if you ever have a question, call my office or send me an email and I will get back to you. And so you know, I'm saying, I think it's great too, that you can tell just by what you just shared is that, you know, your doctor understood the seriousness, seriousness of this illness and how to manage it. You need to get a hold of me. We need to figure this out. When I was diagnosed, I was like, here, take your pills, have a nice day. I'll see you in six months. And, you yeah. know, it was faster than the McDonald's drive through. Right. I'm so, honestly, I am so blessed with my endocrinologist. She's Dr. Stephanie Lee from Boston Medical Center. The unfortunate thing is she is retiring at the end of this year. And I am just like, you can't, you saved my life. Um, so, yeah, but standards are high now. And hopefully she will refer you to someone with her her mentality and her, you know, her work ethic and stuff like that. Right. Right. And she's, she was great. When I had COVID, she was like, this is how I want you to updose. And she was calling me every day. Um, she, I did have a crisis, um, a really swift gastric flu went through my church 
And um, I had to be taken uh, by ambulance to the hospital. And um, the emergency room doctor, she was an older woman because I could just tell by how she looked, said to me, I learned about Addison's disease in med school, but I've never treated anybody, never seen anybody in an Addison's crisis. Do you have the name of your endocrinologist? And the great thing was, I felt at, at that point in time, believe it or not, was good. She's not calling an, an endocrinologist in this hospital. She's specifically asking me for mine. And I always carry my doctor's card with me. So, you know, she hooked me up to an IV. She came back into the um, ER room and then she said, I got a hold of your endocrinologist. I know how to treat you. You're going to be okay. And then even after that, my endocrinologist called me for like three days afterwards, <laughs> making sure I was okay. And you know what? One thing to remember too is that, you know, we are the special one. <laughs> Can I call us the special one? Endocrinologist, yeah, like endocrinologists, they don't have a lot of us as patients, right? Like we're not, they don't have 50 Addison's patients that they have to keep track. Some never even have an Addison's patient. Um, and if they do, they might just have a few. So when we are unwell, they should be able to give us this care. They should understand the seriousness of it. And they should understand that the sooner they can treat us, the better our quality of life resumes, which again, reflects our risk of going into another crisis or having other health issues. And we need to stop that cycle as fast as we can. It makes a huge difference for us. Mm, for sure. Right. Um, so so you learned about updosing, you got great care um, when you had that flu. Um, have you had any other crisis? Do you have an injection kit? You have all those things? I do. I have an injection kit. I know how to inject myself and my husband does too. Have you ever had to inject yourself? You know, my husband has. I, I don't know, but the couple of times I've gone into crisis with my, um, and having my injection kit, I, so we all know that those internal shakiness you get is a low cortisol symptom. But when I'm in a crisis and I am vomiting nonstop, I'm also shaking like, and I can't even like, so yeah. my husband has done it the, for me. The great thing is though, um, in speaking to the ambulance company in my town is they had told me, um, if you ever need an injection, if you're alone or if you can do it, we will, um, we can do it for you. Good. Um, your video just froze. So I hope you're still there. <laughs> um, so, and you know what? One really good tip is there you are. You're about yes. in motion. Yay. Yes. Another little tip that I took from a video that I watched on YouTube from the self-help group from the UK, and they are fabulous. If you've never checked them out, um, it was a video that they did. And once, and I put it in some of my videos is like Michelle said, like if, if we get into a crisis situation and you're alone, it might be very challenging to do it yourself. Um, especially if you have to load the syringe and get everything ready. And one thing that they suggested was, um, is if you think you might need it, but you're not sure is load that syringe and put it in your fridge. Yeah. Get it ready, label it if you want, so that you know, you know, when it was loaded, so that if you forget that, because the med medication will expire after a few days. Um, right. But even expired medication is better than no medication. Um, right. Put it in your fridge. And that way, if you get into a crisis situation and you have to do it yourself, you're ready to go. EMS shows up, you can say, you know what, it's in the fridge. You yeah. Know, to get it that much faster. Or if you're an advocate, somebody comes home and they have to help you. And maybe, you know, not everybody can do that. They're panicking. They know you know, they have to help you. They, they might not be able to do it because of their, their response to the situation. It's ready to go be as prepared as you can. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Um, so it took two years of learning and now, so that's two years. So that's going to bring you. So now, so in the last five years, then how have you been managing the, the illness? You know, very well. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, there are times where I do have to updose. Um, there, we, I actually had a disagreement with my endocrinologist about, um, up, up dosing. I had lost my brother-in-law and a friend to cancer uh, within a relatively close time. And, um, I was also really sick. I had a really bad cold 
And I was crying a lot with the deaths of my, you know, friend and my brother-in-law. Yeah. And I'd had an appointment with my, my endocrinologist and she was like, Oh, you've been up dosing for, for two weeks. I think that's too much. You should probably not. And I'm like, Oh no, I am still crying every day. I can't shake this cold. And she's like, well, you know what? You know, your body Yeah. just taper, make sure you taper. Don't go right from, you know, back right down. So she, you know, she's like, you know, your body. And I think that's the most important advice is know your body, recognize what low cortisol symptoms are for you. For me, it's that internal shakiness and it's dizziness. That's the start. And I know if I don't do something about it, then it's, I'm going to start feeling more, more symptoms, but you know, am I as athletic as I was? No, I do yoga after all those things. I do yoga. See, you, um, know, you read my mind. Cause I just wrote down, I wanted to ask you in comparison to Michelle, you know, pre-diagnosis when things kind of started to change for you, how, what is, what does your activity level look like now? And same thing we have to consider too. Sometimes um, I think a lot of us, when we are diagnosed with a chronic illness, we expect that we can go back to that person. Um, but there's a lot of things to, to recognize that person is dealing with, you know, a different path and whether Michelle was diagnosed with Addison's disease or not, Michelle at, you know, 55 still might look completely different than, you know, Michelle, when she was 42, exactly. right? You've you know, illness or not, whether or not you had it, if you didn't have Addison's disease, maybe you would be doing karate. Maybe you would be into yoga. Maybe, you know, we can't always say I'm not doing this because we might, there right. might be other reasons why. Right. As well. Right. So, right. so what kind of things are you, do you feel like then though you're living the active life that you want to live? Um, I am. Cause I mean, I do walk, um, you know, I have my dogs. Um, I do. I also have osteoporosis. So I, so karate is definitely out. I know. Right? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, you know, I have psoriatic arthritis, so, you know, um, but I, I'm, a, I'm as active as I'm able to be. And with that, I'm okay with, you know, and I think that's kind of where my faith comes in. I have, completely relied on Jesus throughout this whole time. And I'm like, look, Lord, restore me to where you want me to be restored. And if this is where I am right now, great. Yeah. And just appreciate it and find gratitude in it. And, and absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. Like it's, it's a journey for everybody, right? Like it's, and I think when we open up our hearts and just kind of let it go, just, I know personally, I'll put too much stress on myself and cause more problems. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We, I think we all do that. We all do. We're human. That's part of, I think that's part of why, why we are here and, and part of our journey. Right. So, um, so definitely it sounds like you've learned a lot about yourself and, and you're, you know, you know, a lot of people look at this, you know, as our weaknesses and our weakness, but we need to, you know, start looking at it as much as we can as the strength that we really do have to overcome. Right. And I think you have to put your pride aside. Um, mm -hmm. I have friends that can do so much more than me and I have tried to keep up. I did a trip to New York one time with friends and I totally overdid it and I paid for it. I didn't go into a crisis, but I had very bad low cortisol symptoms. Um, I pretty much was out of commission the next day. So, right. I know my limitations yeah. and that's what comes the longer you live with this disease. Yeah. I know certain stressors, um, can bring on low cortisol symptoms. So I know going into it to be aware, um, uh, one of my examples is, um, traveling. Um, I get so excited to travel. Like if I'm going away on vacation and good stress, is stress. And I find that and my husband will be like, don't get so excited. Um, because it just sucks up my cortisol. And then I'm like, Oh, crud, I have to updose. So first day of vacation, I'm like, you know, if I don't updose in time. So I, I, I know that I know if I am skipping even one time zone, 
I have to updose. I, you know, I know some people with Addison's have can travel six time zones, yeah. not have an issue. I travel one time zone and I'm a, an issue and I have an issue, but that's me. That's my yeah. body. It might not be yours. I think that's what's so important about getting to know your body. I know my body better now since diagnosis than before. Well, I think a lot of us lose faith in our bodies when we're diagnosed because I, I remember I felt like it's like my body was like broken, broken. And it was like being deceptive to me. There was something going on and I had no clue what was, it was destroying itself on the inside and, and it was deceiving me. Right. Like that kind of let me down, but really, um, we, we need to restore, but at the same sense, when we're going through diagnosis, we all know, I hear it all the time. You knew something was wrong. Oh, sure. Right. There was still that little voice inside screaming at you saying, you know what, there's something really, really, really not right inside here. And this is why we can't do these things. And now let's trust ourselves the other way. Trust yourself to, you know what, you can't do one time zone. So trust yourself that, okay, that's a fact now. Okay. So deal with it. What are you right. going to do to travel that one time zone? And how are you going to manage it when those symptoms hit? And, um, and just restoring our, our trust and our beliefs in our body that, you know, we're going to, we got to communicate on the, from the outside to the inside and right. we, and we can do it. And that's how you learn to live with Addison's disease, right? It's so true. And I think the longer you have the disease, you start you trust your um, judgment more. And an example is I can remember anytime I felt a, a, a new um, symptom or a new sensation after diagnosis, my first thought would be, okay, is this the Addison's disease or is this the other three autoimmune diseases I have? <laughs> the first thing I went to was this, the Addison's why? Cause that's the one that can kill me. <laughs> that's a good start. Let's, that's let's a good start. <laughs> but then I find as, as the longer I'm living with it, okay, well, you know, the psoriatic arthritis is a lot more systemic. So some, this is not the Addison's, but this is this or, and, but that's all again, going back to that, knowing your body, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And whether you're a person, if you have to make journal notes, if you have to do whatever you have to do, um, you'll figure it out just one yes. at the time. And that's one thing I think people need to hear. Cause there's a lot of people that, you know, have, a lot, like you said, you have multiple autoimmune illnesses. A lot of people have that. And a lot of people, you know, are just, you know, are at square one, like, you know, just getting out of bed some days, is it the shower is still challenging and it's just, you know, get that medical team, learn, learn, learn. It's, it's a slow process. It's a learning process, but, but you can get there. You can, you, you can. can. And my, my whole thing too, is change doctors. If you're not happy, I don't know how my primary care missed it. And, you know, the funny thing, like, you know, here I'm telling her I'm sporadically vomiting. I've lost weight. I, and she's telling me, oh, just wear sunscreen because you're awfully tan. Like, you know, and then when I got diagnosed with Addison's, she says, oh, if you can never reach your endocrinologist, feel free to call me if you have any questions. I'm like, lady, you no. never, I wouldn't send my cat to you. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I changed, definitely changed primary cares after that, but yeah, it's just, if you can't, if you're not finding the right endocrinologist change. Okay. Yeah. Just keep, just keep at it. Just keep plugging away. Yeah. One thing I wanted to go, and I'm pretty sure is when we talked the other day, I think one of the symptoms you also had was, which a lot of us have that I want to mention was hair loss. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> well, that's. That's because when I went to the endocrinologist, I think I brought it up when she said, um, so how's your pubic hair? And I'm like, uh, excuse me. She goes, ah, you, your, your axillary hair. And I said, uh, gone. But I thought it was from having Hashimoto's cause I had lost some hair from that, you know? And she is like, that's actually a sign. sign uh, yeah. and, that's, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Cause it was a sign that I had. It was one of my first, when my dad passed away, my dad primary Addison's disease, never had hair on his legs. And he was a man. And I thought it was just a genetic thing. And I learned when he passed away from an adrenal crisis, I mentioned I had no hair on my legs. And um, my sister's like, well, that's because of his Addison's. And it was one of the first big light bulbs that we had. So if that's part of your symptoms, that is a big one is that yep. you, your body can't 
it's not concerned about hair growth anymore and and honestly like you know the pubic hair everything like it it all goes it's kind of you know I barely have to shave my legs now so it's one of the the bonus side effects I guess I I haven't haven't shaved my under my arm since what 2015 (laughs) right I have a little bit now under my arms because now I take DHEA and I make a little bit of testosterone now so it kind of restored that but my hair on my arms went and you know talking about personal things um like the hair loss in specific areas one thing um I wanted to mention, cause it might be something with the hyperpigmentation, hyperpigmentation tends to go into, um, let's just say sensitive parts of the body first. Um, so whether someone's experienced this or not, I'm going to share this very personal, <laughs> um, just because I love all you guys so much, um, is, so I was diagnosed at 35 when I hit puberty, the, female areas of my body, the the more inner parts went extremely dark in color. Um, They looked bruised all the time. And even the outer parts of that area. And I just thought that was part of puberty that that was part of my life change, the hormonal changes of puberty. And I honestly never questioned it at all. And then you know, that was like when I was 15, fast forward 20, 20 years, I was diagnosed at 35. I was on hydrocortisone, I swear a week. And I was like, that's what that part's supposed to look like. Crazy. The color was gone. Like it was restored to normal flesh color. And I thought, wow, like I just thought that was my body. But that was 20 years before diagnosis. My ACTH was off enough that it seeped into for my body. And I'm sharing this because there might be somebody out there listening saying, oh, that's what my body parts look like. It looked bruised and it was black in color. It was that dark. And within a week on hydrocortisone, you could see the shift and the healing starting to happen. So that's how sick I was for a very, very long time. So it's so crazy. You know, I think back to when we were talking about um, symptoms, it just reminded me now, another symptom I had was having to rest after a shower. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I blow dried my hair sitting on a chair for years. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, if you're not diagnosed or you're going through that diagnostic process, please let them know that if you have to rest after a shower, but you got the heat, you got standing, you got the blood pressure probably changes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, I would get out of the shower and I'd have to get a chair and I would blow dry my hair at 35. That's not normal. Right. At 40. That's not normal at 50. That's not normal at 60. Okay. Let's, let's face the facts. That's not normal. Right. It's not normal. Right. Yeah. And then and don't let it be normal because it is your normal. Yes, you know? yes. Right. And, and like you said, trust your body. Okay. We got to have some logical thinking into this. You know, is this normal? This isn't an eight normal aging process. We don't have it. There's whether it's added, it might be something else, but that's not normal. And, and try and another, um, I think thing I would, I would say to people is if you're newly diagnosed, try and get your family on board. I'm really, really blessed that my husband was so supportive. And I know not everybody has a supportive spouse or a support system, but, you know, um, I, I sat down with my sons who were in college at the time that I got diagnosed. Um, neither of them wanted to learn how to give an injection because I get a little squeamish, but that's okay. But now they know if I'm sick or if I'm not feeling well, they'll be like, mom, can I get you some Gatorade. Can I get you some, you know, do I need to take you to the hospital? And, and I know not many people, there are people who aren't as blessed, but even if you have one person in your life, yeah. And whether it's somebody from church, somebody from work, um, a cousin, uh, whatever. There's somebody they're out there. They're and, out there. And, and, you know, the first place you can start is with yourself. Yes. Right. Start with yourself and educate yourself as much as you can, whether it's this podcast, whether it's doctors, it's connecting on wherever, find a pot. And I'm a big believer, find a positive, loving place to do it. Yes. Right. Yes. We're all going to have negative moments. We're all going to have frustrations and we got to figure those out. But if you feel that's the overwhelming feeling that you get, I encourage you to find someplace else, find that place where there's people say, yeah, you know what? I've hit these rough patches. But like Michelle said, like two years, you know, what I've learned I'm going still with it because we all have those rough patches. We all have those days that we want to give up and we need to have as many voices as we can, as many bright lights as we can reminding us, you know what? I got through it. You can do it too. Right. 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 Absolutely. 
Well, very good. So what, so what's, uh, what else is going on with Addison's anything you just, it sounds like you're in a maintenance stage now where it's kind of, you know what I've learned, I'm going to kind of roll with the punches. And if a new challenges come up, I'm just going to figure out how to get around this one. And I'm just going to, because I'm living my life and Addison's is just kind of coming along with me. Exactly. That's exactly how, where I am in my life right now. Well, that's um, very encouraging. Hmm. And you can, and you can get there. I know that there are people struggling out there. They're not sure if they're on the right dose or, or whatever. And that's where the open communication with your endocrinologist, yeah. uh, or should that be the endocrinologist you have? I'm very fortunate. I'm only on 15 milligrams of hydrocortisone a day, 0 0.05 of fludro. Um, and that works for me. I don't have to do the circadian, uh, rhythm dosing. I do one, my 10 milligrams at seven 30 and my five at four o'clock and that works. Yeah. And that's, what's important is finding what works for you. And some of the things that I made notes of, um, you know, some of the things that I think was great with what you shared with us today is you mentioned that you have a doctor card. Yeah. So, you know, having, so I'm assuming that's got your doctor's phone numbers, contact information, and you keep it in your wallet. If you don't have one, do it because if you're in a crisis situation, you could probably at least produce that. Right. And then it'll be out of your hands and you hope that they contact the doctor and that doctor can help you. And it helps lead them where they need to go to help you. Cause the faster you can get help, the better, you know, it's going to keep you from a severe adrenal crisis and possible death. Um, and the faster, I do believe the faster we can recover and pull out of that, the better you're going to be going home and your quality Absolutely. of life. And that's what we all want. We all want quality of life with this illness, because again, quality of life reflects how we're managing this illness. Right. Right. Exactly. And my, so my, in my purse, I have a bag that says emergency medicine inside. It's got my injection kit. It has, um, hydrocortisone pills in it. It has directions in case somebody finds me how to, how to give the dosage. Um, and it has my endocrinologist card in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. If you don't have one, anything like that, get that on your list and start getting them. Honestly, in as many places as you can, wherever you frequent, right. have some information there. Uh, Absolutely. And then, you know, just same thing, like you said, you know, learn to let things go, learn to listen to your body. That is whatever, find out what stresses, stressors are in your life. What are your triggers? Um, because I would say everything triggers Addison's. So if you, right, everything triggers Addison's. So if yeah. you have a stress, like I was at the natural path today and he's like, well, I don't think this affects your Addison's. I'm like, uh, yeah, it does because of my digestive system is stressed. I'm burning more cortisol. And he's like, oh yeah, good point. <laughs> right. So if you have other illnesses, if you have other things, you need to start managing everything all around you. And, you know, you know, set little goals set, you know, I, I want to feel 5% better. 5% right. better is better than not 5% better. And then just kind of slowly progress, find, you know, think outside of the Addison's and find ways, you know, maybe yoga will help and maybe walking in nature will help. All these little things are going to, you know, like we talked about at the start, the universe light brings light, light, right? So I do truly believe that. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm fixing your Addison's by making you go for a walk in nature. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is little things make a big difference. They do. You know, and sleep makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. And I really, that's one of the biggest things I've learned with this illness is when I work on all those little things in my life and it is a constant, constant maintenance. Um, that's when my ultimate goal of illness maintenance happens that's when my quality of life is better is when I do all these things ask yourself what makes you truly happy and find that happiness again because I think a lot of us lose that in illness while we're trying to do that so you know have positive people come into your life like Michelle and different things like that find them we are blessed with the internet if we use it properly find yeah. that and find your energy right. right find find that light again and when you find that light it will it will start to burn brighter Right. 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 You know, I'm, I'm, I feel fortunate that to have this disease, um, I, it was after my children were grown. I think there's a whole nother set of stressors. If you are like a mom or a dad to young ones, 
But I think my advice in that way, or if you can, is to sleep is huge. I have to, I have to sleep eight to 10 hours a night, or I am not at my best. Yeah. And I know with Addison's, you can be wired and tired at night where we all can't get out of bed in the morning, but it can be 10 o'clock and you're like, I'm exhausted, but I'm still awake. We all know that wired and tired. Um, make sure you set up a good bedtime routine. It might be a little difficult if you've got little ones, but um, I think that's another great thing with living with this disease. Um, our body needs to rest and regenerate. Our bodies go through a lot. And I think it's, yes. you know, I don't even think that the medical community really understands and appreciates how hard our body fights to be in homeostasis and to live. And they, they really have no idea. Um, I started reading a book, which I haven't finished yet. Um, Dr. Stephen Cabral, um, it's called the rain barrel effect. And he actually had Addison's when he was younger and was able to stop the process and reverse it. And, um, and I remember there's a point in the book where he writes, um, he's like, it was the worst time of my life. Like, he's like, my body was in a war zone inside. And he, he, um, and I think he was, he was, I think he was at the point of the illness that he was able somehow to recover that the adrenal glands weren't completely destroyed yet. Wow. And he's like world renowned now. And his passion for like the last, you know, 20, 30 years is adrenal health. And, and he references it, you know, it, it was a war zone. Like it, it was hell and he could feel what that fight is. So our bodies go through that every day. And as, as, as hard as that is, you know, some days to ex maybe to accept, it's actually amazing what our bodies can do. So I believe our bodies fight hard. And I think, I believe our bodies have a lot of power to heal too. And we need to heal. There's certain things that we can't heal, but there's a lot that we can heal. And if we manage our health completely around us, it takes the stress off the Addison's. Absolutely. I, I agree with that whole but we're not driving our cortisol down out of our own activity kind of thing. Right. I, makes, I, I hope that makes sense. No, it does make yeah. sense. It okay. does make sense. Okay. I agree. I agree with that. Okay. <laughs> and that's one thing, like you said, routine, it's sleep, it's rest, it's recover. It's, you know, healthy foods. It's, you know, the mental health, the exercise it's, but it's learning to trust ourselves, not to do too much and to do it. And, and I do in a, in a gentle, loving way to our bodies, because we are doing it because we love our bodies. We appreciate our bodies and we're giving back to our bodies from the outside, what it's doing for us from the inside out. Right. 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 And I, I, I remember telling you when we were chatting earlier, like you don't know what you've got until it's gone. That old saying, I never yeah. knew what my adrenal glands did. I no. never knew. I heard of them. Didn't even know where they were in the body. I knew nothing of that. And I'm like, man, do I miss them? Yeah. They're, they're little powerhouses. That's for sure. Well, yeah. amazing right what they did for you know I think I was sick for at least 20 years maybe even longer and they were they were able to, to keep me going and and I'm still here right so right I there was one thing my my doctor did tell me and I'm kind of jumping around a bit that I you know we talk about is this disease really rare and one thing my endocrinologist said is the majority of people are diagnosed with Addison's post-mortem it is not a it's not on the radar of an emergency room. It's not on the radar of a lot of doctors. And I think for those of us with Addison's, um, we can be a guide to others who are going through similar things yeah. um, so that so so that we can help others in the, in our situation um, with their diagnosis because that really that really struck me. No, and I completely agree with that. And I had a recent conversation with my family doctor and I asked him, you know, you know, you know, people have surgeries and they say, you know what, there's only like a 1% chance you're going to die from the surgery. And then that person dies. And I'm like, you know, I said, I go, how many of those 1% do you think that person went into a surgery and they actually had, you know, undiagnosed Addison's disease and then they had surgery. And when they came out, it was the straw that broke the camel's back right? It was, it was that they crossed that line and the body's like, I can't deal with this. And they went into a crisis so fast and died. Nobody had a clue what happened. And his answer was, I think that happens a lot. And I agree with you, Michelle. I think, you know, our rare illness isn't really what's rare about it. What's rare is that we've survived diagnosis. Right. For and sure. 
we need to find gratitude in that <laughs> every day because there's so many I believe you I you know I agree with you there's a lot that don't get the chance to fight like what we do right for sure well thank you so much Michelle for joining us with your story today I truly appreciate it and I appreciate it more that your husband found me <laughs> And he kept at you and that you saw my Facebook post and that you came into my life because you definitely brought some joy and, you know, and, you know, and just reminders that I need about, you know, managing my, my illness and the things, the road that I want to go on. And it's just, it's just so encouraging to hear from everyone living with Addison's disease that you can, you can live with yes, that disease, you right? Can. You can live. All right. Well, thank you. Anything that you want to add, anything that you feel that we've missed or anything that you want to the other one says keep doing what you're doing Jill you are a gift to this community and um I you make people not feel alone and I think that is such a blessing that you are giving others so keep up the good work well thank you so much and I think you guys all know I do this in memory mainly of my dad because now looking back I have such a deeper appreciation what his body went through and how he was alone he was alone in this illness. And we, as a family, we were ignorant to this illness and we really, and it wasn't no fault of ours. Um, it was just the way things were. And, um, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, hopefully shine a little bit of light for everybody. And you've been part of that light. And thank you so much. Oh, great talking with you, Jill. All right. And thank you so much for listening or watching to the Pickle Jar podcast. And you can check out more episodes on the YouTube channel. Um, please do me a favor. And if you can, please subscribe while you're there. That would mean the world to me. And please comment on the videos because if there's something that you want to see, I want to hear about it because that's what this is all about. And I need, I need that feedback. If I don't know, I don't know. Um, and if you want to be a guest like Michelle, every story is important. You can go to my website, chronicallyfitcanada.com. There's all kinds of information there. And I would love to hear from you. So until next time, please be well, my pickles. <laughs>